Through the ages, a lot has been said and written about the Antichrist. People are curious about who he is and what he will do. Scripture tells us he will be the world's most powerful ruler ever, but after his great rise will come an even greater fall. Let's find out more about how he will meet his end in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Welcome to Foreshadows Report with Steve Miller. Over the past few episodes, we've been learning about some of the main characters in the book of Revelation. We've looked at the 144,000 Jewish messengers who will proclaim the gospel all over the world. And we've learned about the two witnesses God will establish in Jerusalem. In this podcast, we're continuing our study of the rise and fall of the Antichrist. In part one of this series, we looked at his rise, and now in part two, we're going to read what scripture says about his downfall. As we do so, we're going to see the justice and righteousness and wisdom of God on display in some very powerful ways. So far, in our overview about the Antichrist, we've looked at his rise up to the midpoint of the tribulation. Halfway through this seven-year period, he will carry out what is called the abomination of desolation. He will enter the Jewish temple and declare himself to be God. The prophet Daniel spoke about this abomination in Daniel 9.27, and Jesus warned about it in Matthew 24:15 when he taught about the end times 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that the antichrist will exalt himself and take his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God this lines up with revelation 13:6 which says that the antichrist will blaspheme God and God's name and God's tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven From the midpoint of the tribulation onward, the Antichrist will be at the height of his power. Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 and 13, talk about how the ten rulers who oversee the revived Roman Empire with the Antichrist will be of one mind, and they will hand over their power and authority to the beast. At first, these ten rulers will share their power, but there will come a point when the Antichrist rises above all of them, and he will become ruler over all the earth. This is confirmed in Revelation 13.7, which says authority was given to the beast over every tribe and people and language and nation. From there, we read that the Antichrist will control the global economy. Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17 says that the Antichrist will force everyone, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. This will be the ultimate form of social control, and it will be carried out through people's bank accounts. Those who are loyal to the Antichrist will be able to buy and sell, 
and those who refuse to swear allegiance to him will be punished. They will no longer have jobs and no longer have access to food and the other necessities of life. Revelation 13.3 tells us that the whole world will marvel over the Antichrist. People will worship him. Verse 4 says that they will adore him to the point that they will say, Who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? They will actually believe there is no one greater than the Antichrist. We are told in Revelation 17.5 that the Antichrist will be at the height of his power for 42 months. From the abomination of the desolation to the end of the tribulation, the Antichrist will blaspheme God and he will demand that people worship him and he will kill all those who don't. Revelation 13.7 says he will make war on the saints and conquer them. He will persecute and kill all Christians. And Jesus also warned in Matthew 24 that the Antichrist will persecute and kill all Jewish people as well. All of this raises some important questions. Why would God allow the Antichrist to rise to such great power? Why would the Lord permit the Antichrist to flood the earth with evil and kill so many people? Why will he allow the Antichrist to get away with such brutality? When we ask these questions, it is helpful to remember what God said about the Pharaoh of Egypt. You'll remember that when Moses asked the Pharaoh to free the Jewish people from slavery, the Pharaoh refused. In response, God sent ten devastating plagues upon the people of Egypt. In Exodus 9.16, God said this about the Pharaoh, For this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. All through the tribulation, as God pours out his judgments, he will be showing his power. These judgments will be so massive, so miraculous, that unbelievers will know they come from God. We're told multiple times in the book of Revelation that they will blame God and curse Him for the judgments. They will know exactly who is behind all the wrath that they face. Revelation 16.9 says that after the fourth bowl of wrath is poured out, people will curse the name of God who had power over these plagues. Two verses later, when the fifth bowl judgment is sent, We're told people will curse the God of heaven for their pain and sores. Then when the final bowl judgment takes place, people will curse God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. It will be obvious to the people on earth that God is behind all these plagues. God's power will be on display and his name will be proclaimed. Remember, all during this time, the 144,000 witnesses will be preaching the gospel worldwide. They will point to God's judgments and say, The time of God's wrath is here. Repent and turn to Him while you can. And we know from Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, that so many people will become saved during the tribulation they cannot be counted, while the Antichrist is doing evil. God will do good. So when we ask the question, why will God allow this? We should remember Exodus 9.16. 
Through the Pharaoh, God demonstrated his power, and God will allow the Antichrist to unleash evil upon the world for the purpose of showing his power, and so that his name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Even though the Antichrist will be the most powerful and most wicked ruler ever in human history, he will not be able to stop God's judgments. God will make it clear who has the upper hand. Keep in mind that the entire tribulation is only seven years long. And from the time the Antichrist declares himself to be God, to the time Christ returns, there will be only three and a half years. The Antichrist's reign will be short. God has already determined when the Antichrist's rule will end. And there is nothing the Antichrist can do to circumvent that. This tells us who really is in control. The horrors the Antichrist inflicts upon the world will not last long. Going back to the bold judgments, let's take a closer look at Revelation 16.10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. For this judgment to be poured out on the throne of the beast means that it will affect the Antichrist's entire kingdom. No part of his rule will escape this punishment. Everything will be cast into darkness. This darkness will be so terrible that people will gnaw their tongues in anguish. This will be a debilitating darkness that makes everyone helpless. And it's interesting that Revelation 16.10 specifically says this judgment will be poured out on the throne of the beast. This tells us God will carry out a very direct attack against the Antichrist authority. God's wrath will be concentrated heavily against the Antichrist. Through this plague of darkness, God will say, I'm the one in control here. There is nothing you can do to hold back my power. So great will be this darkness that the Antichrist will be absolutely helpless to do anything about it. From the time of the fifth bowl judgment onward, the world will face absolutely crushing devastation. These will be the final three judgments God brings upon the earth. The fifth bowl will bring agonizing darkness. The sixth bowl will unleash demonic spirits all over the earth. Revelation 16.14 tells us these spirits will convince the leaders of the world to assemble for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Verse 16 tells us that the world's armies will come together and meet in a valley that is known as Armageddon. The context here tells us that we are very near the end of the tribulation. Right around the time of the seventh bowl judgment, God will bring about the destruction of the Antichrist kingdom. In Revelation chapter 17, we read about the fall of the Antichrist religious empire. Then in Revelation chapter 18, we find the details of how God will destroy the Antichrist economic empire. At the center of the Antichrist power will be the city of Babylon. Revelation 18.2 said that Babylon will be a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit. Verses 3 through 5 tell us that all the rulers of the earth will have committed immorality with Babylon. And evil will be so prevalent that her sins are heaped high as heaven. 
Revelation 18.8 says that God's wrath against Babylon will be so fierce that plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. We're told that the city will fall in a single hour, according to Revelation 18.10. The fact Babylon will be destroyed so quickly tells us that once the dominoes start falling, the end will come quickly, and the Antichrist will realize God's judgments have reached the point of no return. As the Antichrist sees his empire collapsing, his hatred toward God will explode. He will be so enraged that he commands the armies gathered at Armageddon to head south and attack Jerusalem. Revelation 19.19 tells us that the Antichrist and the kings of the earth will go to Jerusalem to make war against Christ. Out of great fear and desperation, the Antichrist will do everything he can to prevent Christ's return. He will gather the armies of the world in an effort to aim all his firepower against Christ. And yet, he will fail spectacularly. Let's read Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21, and let Scripture tell us what will happen. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called, the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nation, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he had the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their rider, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their army gathered to make war against him who is sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. The Antichrist will pull out all the stops in his effort to defeat Christ, but in an instant Christ will defeat him and destroy all his forces, and the Antichrist and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire, where they will be punished for all eternity. As we read this amazing passage, we are reminded of Psalm 2, verses 1-6. through 6. Why do the nations rage, and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together, 
against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And how does God respond to humanity's plots against him? He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. At the end of the tribulation, God will send Christ to descend upon Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and Christ will destroy all those who come against him. Then verses 7 and 8 tell us what will happen next. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. When Christ comes, he will shatter the Antichrist's global kingdom and bring an end to all human rule. He will set up his kingdom of righteousness, and from then onward, he will rule with supreme authority, first during the millennial kingdom, then for all eternity. As we read about the fall of Antichrist, we are also reading about the fall of Satan. Remember, the Antichrist's power will come from Satan, and when people worship the Antichrist, they will be worshiping Satan. Satan has always wanted to be greater than God and to be worshipped. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 16, we read this prophecy about Satan's downfall. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn! How you are cut to the ground, you who laid the nations low! You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will ascend on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. And notice carefully what verse 16 says, which appears to make a veiled reference to the Antichrist, who is indwelt by Satan. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? When the armies of heaven and earth clash, Christ's victory will be instant, and the Antichrist's defeat will be complete. Every single prophecy about Christ's second coming will be fulfilled perfectly. When that happens, we will witness one of the mightiest displays of God's majestic sovereignty ever. In the same way that every single prophecy about Christ's first coming was fulfilled, we can know with certainty that every single prophecy about his second coming will be fulfilled. This includes his instant and forever victories against Satan and the Antichrist. The temporary darkness of the tribulation will be followed by the permanent light of Christ's return and his rule on earth. And it is the future that every one of us who has received Christ as Savior and Lord can look forward to. I trust you've been blessed by this episode of Foreshadows Report. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that our motto is to keep watch and find hope. Christ will return. And for that reason, we can have hope. 
If you've been listening to these weekly podcasts and you'd like to stay in touch daily, you'll want to sign up for Foreshadows Report on Telegram Messenger channel. Every morning I share briefly about what's happening in the world, and I share quotes from scripture as well as from books on Bible prophecy. You can receive these daily updates by going to Telegram Messenger channel and signing up for Foreshadows Report. Or you can go to my website, stevemillerresources.com, and find a link to my Telegram post there. Also at my website, you'll see the books I have available, as well as a number of articles I've written about Bible prophecy. Again, that's at stevemillerresources.com. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of Foreshadows Report. I look forward to joining you again for the next podcast. And I want to acknowledge Harvest House Publishers for graciously supporting this podcast.